You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about Riverside.fm the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside FM allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by my co-host Alex and we are here to discuss a team that I am not ready to go see in person again. Um, That's all I got to say about that. I'm also here with my co-host Alex. Like I did mention, we have an interview for you in this episode with Barstool Clem, so please stick around for that. And we were dumb enough to, uh, you know, completely forget about our NFL picks that we did last season, which we did literally all season last season. And it was a whole big thing. And we went over it right after the Super Bowl. who won, who lost. And it was, I think by two games I won, I think. Right. Um, and that was crazy. But of course we forget until four weeks into the season. So now we're starting it from week four, at least it's, you know, it's even where we're going to be, you know, at the same point, although it does suck. We may be debating like, going from week one and just going through the games that we know, like what team we would have predicted, you know, would win obviously because no cheating would be there because like we would agree together and be like, yeah, we would have thought the Steelers would have won this game or the Packers would have won this game. We'll have to talk. I'll talk to it, you know, to Alex and we'll figure it out what what he wants to do. But uh, I, I think we'll probably just start from where we are now. I think that just makes the most sense. That way it's like clear, obvious. No one thinks there's any cheating going on. It'll be perfect. All right, quick issue. Um, we had some problems with some editing, some glitches, etc. So I'm just going to read off the picks now. Um, so we have Bengals, Jaguars. We both had the Bengals. Titans, Jets. We both had the Titans. Lions, Bears. I had the Bears. Josh had the Lions. Dolphins, Colts. Um, I had the Colts. Josh had the Dolphins. 
Um, Browns, Vikings, I had the Browns. Josh also had the Browns. Uh, Washington Falcons, we both had Washington. Bills, Texans, we both had the Bills. Um, Chiefs, Eagles, we both had the Chiefs. Panthers, Cowboys, I had the Cowboys. Josh had the Panthers. Seahawks, 49ers, I had the Seahawks. He had the 49ers. We both had the Rams against the Cardinals. Um, Packers, we had both uh, against the Steelers. Ravens, Broncos, Josh had the Ravens. I had the Broncos. And Buccaneers, Patriots, I, we both had the Buccaneers. And Chargers, Raiders, I had the Raiders. Josh had the Chargers. Sorry for the interruption. Okay. And then, I'm sorry, Alex. I know we did the Giants predictions when the schedule came out. I'm throwing that right out the fucking window. Excuse my language. Wow, I just did the F-bomb right in the no, beginning. No, no need for that. We don't need to say we're going to go 0-17. Um, no, 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 no. I'm saying I'm throwing that right out the window because I think we both predicted over 10 wins or like around that 9-win mark. Uh, 9 and 8, yeah. Yeah. Um, I apologize for cursing because I know, uh, um, you know, I've been doing that a lot recently. Alex has been doing that a lot. It's tough times, okay? What do you want me to do? But anyway... Alex, uh, actually, I wonder if that's the first. No, nah, it can't be the first time you've talked before. Been uh, asked how you've been doing, uh, but you know you've already heard him. I revealed him from the curtain, uh, you know. So I guess no point in me doing this, but I'm nice. So Alex, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, everything's going well, and uh, I'm just. Is everything I, I mean, going well though? Everything else is going well. The Giants are not going well, but everything else in my life is going decent. So everything else. So when you're asking me how I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Are the Giants doing okay? Or is the part of me that loves the Giants doing okay? No, it's not. But I'm I'm not going to say I'm excited to be here because I don't really want to talk about it. But, uh, you know, you make a commitment to your team and you have to follow through with it. So got to hope that maybe we win, but we probably won't. So. It's going to be unfortunate, but uh, just got to do the best and hope we see improvements this week. And and not improvements, winning games. I want to see W's mm-hmm. in the W column. That's all I care about. We could play the worst game of the season. If we win, I don't care. And you know what I think is uh, great about Giants fans is that as much as we hate our team and we talk all this crap about our team, we are still going to be sitting our asses down on the couch, Alex, and watching this game on Sunday. And it's uh, that's the craziest part out of all of it, right? You know, we talk all this all this crap, and yet we're still Giants fans at heart, and we are still going to be watching this game, whether they win or lose, whether it's an absolute, you know, crusher or it's not. We will be there uh, watching this team because that is who we are as Giants fans. We're together as one. Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to the Twitter space that happened last night with probably over hundreds of Giants fans joining in. I saw Lawrence Tynes, Carl Banks, big names that hopped in and listened. Uh, our friend Justin and Snacks, um, great seeing them at the tailgate, by the way. There's cool photo with me and uh, snacks and everyone from really giants Twitter that was in there. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, I was taller than snacks and uh, he should be ashamed of himself, but uh, he told me to kneel down and I look absolutely stupid in the photo because snacks is behind me and he's shorter than me. So I had to like kneel down on my like legs crunching down, um, which I don't know. I just, that was just me personally looking embarrassing, but anyway, Justin's we're exposing him here I guess we're exposing him and his shortness well I mean you could tell from the video how I mean I think it's also okay. I'm tall I, I would say I'm, I'm six one okay. so I'm tall All right. okay okay but um yeah thank you snacks and Justin for letting me tailgate with them uh I'm not including Alex because he can defend himself on what he feels his definition of tailgating is um I'm not gonna speak for him I don't even need to throw him under the bus because I I don't even need to do that but anyway, um, we are going to give you our preview to this matchup here. We're going to be doing our NFL picks along with our Giants prediction. Uh, if, you, you know, if you're a new listener, we really appreciate you joining us. And if you have been listening and you know what the deal is, I just want to refresh everything. Uh, the NFL picks is where we go from the 1 o'clock games all the way to the Monday night game, give our predictions, and obviously we keep them for a later, later date. Um, who, whoever was right, whoever was wrong, we mark it as a tally except the Giants game. Oh, no. We except the Giants except, game. Except yeah, because it's NFL picks. But yes. the Giants game, we skip wherever window they are, and that is done last. So I uh, we're actually going to be doing that uh, with Clem coming up in the interview, both the NFL picks and the Giants uh, as well. So you're going to have to wait, unfortunately, for our predictions there. But we will give you, obviously, this full preview to this game. And let's start out with... um, I, I think let's start out with Blake Martinez. 
Um, you know, I wrote an article, go check it out, chipitstudios.com in the article section about this Giants loss, kind of just summing up the whole day in general, uh, and this Giants team moving forward. Um, you know, personally, I thought it was one of my best articles ever written. Obviously, I know, I know. But I will tell you, I will give you my honest opinion. If I think one of my articles is not is not well written, I will be sure to let you know. And if I'm not sure to let you know, I'm sure Alex is sure to let you know because he definitely uses his honest opinions when it comes to my articles, okay? Not not publicly though. Not publicly. Only mm. privately. Yeah, but you you so I mean publicly so Fine. I, I I will give my public opinions now. Yeah. This article was very good and I did give it full approval. I've not given all the articles written by Josh approval, so it does say something. That is very true. So yeah, we'll start out with Blake Martinez. Uh, he's out for the season, unfortunately, um, with the ACL tear. Obviously, something that Saquon Barkley had to deal with last season, and something not Blake Martinez will have to deal with. He already tweeted it out. He said it's going to be a hell of a comeback. I wish the best for him and uh, and his recovery. But obviously, that limits the uh, linebacking, the lineback, the linebacking, the linebacker core for the New York Giants. And obviously, Tay Crowder needs to step up along with other players in this Giants team. And to now go on to that injury report, also Tay Crowder was limited in practice. So. It's just going down and down and down for this New York Giants team. Uh, But I did want to start with that. As I'm mentioning, I guess I should just go through this Giants practice here on Wednesday um, and and kind of talk about that. Obviously, we're recording on Thursday. um, So there will be updates and tweaks throughout the the next few days until the game on Sunday. But anyway, the people who did not participate uh, was offensive line, O-lineman Ben Bredesen, hand injury, Sterling Shepard, hamstring injury, Slayton, uh, hamstring injury. Blake Martinez obviously be out for the season. Limited practice. Running back Saquon Barkley with a knee injury. Defensive back Keon Crossan with an elbow injury. Defensive back Nate Ebner with a quad injury. Fullback Colin Gillespie with an ankle injury. Wide receiver Kenny Galladay was limited with a hip injury. Also limited was long snapper Casey Kreider knee injury. Defensive back Lo- uh, Logan Ryan hamstring injury. Caden Smith tight end knee injury. Linebacker Tate Crowder hamstring injury. Uh, something to talk about to, uh, Oh, go ahead, Alex. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention Thursday's injury report, which we actually literally just got in right now. Um, actually. So perfect. Um, Thursday's injury report has everyone on that exact same list in the exact same positions, actually, which is kind of ironic. Just wanted to give an update. So that's Wednesday and Thursday, that practice report where they were identical. Um, so those players were still either whether Josh said they were limited or did not practice the same uh, is on Thursday as well. So just a little p, a tidbit there of information. Yeah, um, I mean it's a good tidbit. And Alex, look at you coming in clutch, uh, timing wise. Coming in clutch. <laughs> coming in clutch. I was just gonna mention Logan Thomas. He went on WFAN this week and actually had some comments saying, uh, "You talk about me being on all great teams. Uh, I was two and four with the Tennessee Titans. They were they were ready to trade Derrick Henry. They were ready to trade me." So don't be talking about how I am or have been on all successful teams with Tennessee. Uh, And this team is just, you know, another one of the processes. He said, you know, I called out a fluke where I drop a pass. Obviously, he had that happen where he dropped the interception. He's like, I called out a fluke where I drop a pass like that. I know one of the top tier guys, top tier safeties. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. But one of the top tier safeties in the NFL. And um, we're going to go back and, you know, go with the same attitude that, that we do every single week and try our hardest in practice and translate that over into the game. And obviously team captain, if there's one guy you want to hear that from, it's Logan Ryan. I do think it's nothing is his problem here with the coaches. Um, But I do think Alex soon, we should start talking about the giants coaches here on these episodes. I know we're previewing and recapping. Obviously that's an off season deal. Maybe we'll do some stuff on the YouTube Um, go subscribe there. The giant take of some, like, should we, should the giants fire videos? I know it sucks that we're at that point, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, so that I wanted to talk about. And then I think there was another thing I wanted to get you. Oh, yes. The three wide receivers that were supposed to play in this game last Sunday against the Falcons. All three of them who got ruled out, taken out, whatever it was because of injuries, are still limited or did not practice. This is not good. Um, this is really bad. We are missing Sterling Shepard, who has been the most productive receiver for the Giants team so far in the first three weeks of the season or more first two weeks of the season. Kenny Galladay, our record signing, record deal. So much money we're paying that guy. Um, and obviously Darius Slayton, who 
probably Giants fans, most of them are happy that he's not even that he's injured, which is unfortunate because he is a good player. Um, and I know one drop kind of defines that Giants game, but he's a good player, and you're gonna you're gonna want him. I mean, actually, to be honest, Colin Johnson was good in that game, but I, I don't know. I feel like you you might you might want him. So there's that news uh, about that, and then obviously Kenny Galladay hasn't. I think has only had one or has had none deep plays downfield. He was asked about that uh, and basically said, once again, I'm paraphrasing, but I think he said, it's not my problem. Or he said, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure. He, I'm, he, I think he said, I, I don't know what to say about that. And he basically didn't answer the question. No, he said, there's nothing I can say about that. There's nothing I can say about that, basically. Like here. So he, he's basically saying, hey, not on me. <laughs> I mean, it isn't. But, you know, that, I, and that was like the articles going out after that was... Kenny Galladay, you know, this, this, this team is, you know, a, a wildfire right now, kind of like, um, I don't really have an answer to that. So there you go. Um, that, that's what he said. That was the quote. Um, I, I don't have an, a- now I'm reading the quote quote. I really, I don't really have an answer to that. Galladay said at the end of the day, I'm going to run what the guys want me to run. I just look at it as whenever my number is called, I just want to go out there and make a play short or long. I've just got to make the play. That's my mindset. So listen, yeah, obviously he's not throwing anyone to the bus. He really can't, but I mean, that falls on Jason Garrett that automatically falls on the guy who's above him, Joe judge. That's their game plan. And, uh, we got Kenny Galladay for a reason. We're not using it. Obviously he's injured right now. So that's not, can't even use him for that. Um, I've been talking a while, so I want to, I want to give it to Alex, please. So I can uh, rest my voice a little bit here. To be honest, there's not there's not really much to say, is there? I mean, uh, I mean, Kenny Galladay is not getting the ball. Jason Garrett not doing his job. Comes down to Joe Judge. What's he doing? He's not doing anything, and that's really the big problem. Um, you know, if these struggles continue, I think we're probably gonna have to talk about like a hey, what like what do we do now? What do the Giants do now? Um, kind of thing. Because it's getting to that point that the Giants are in real trouble. You know, we spend a lot of money on guys like Kenny Galladay, and we're not using them. Spent large draft capital on players like Kadarius Tony. Needs to, you know, they need to be involved, and they're just not. So that's really unfortunate, um, and things just need to change very quickly. But to be honest, I don't even have anything to say. I mean, what is what is there to say as a fan? As a, I mean, podcaster, I mean, they're virtually the same thing. There's nothing, there's nothing I can say that uh, will change anything, sadly, as much as I wish I could, but I I feel like we're just beating a dead drum almost, Um, you know, with this Jason Garrett stuff, obviously he's going to stay. Let's just hope he does better, hopefully. Um, But yeah, uh, we also want to talk about the new offensive lineman the Giants signed to the practice squad, Isaiah Wilson, former first round pick out of Georgia, played with Andrew Thomas, had his issues got cut, I believe got signed again by another team and then got cut again. So he has his baggage, uh, not exactly the prime role model, but uh, hey, I don't really care. We need someone who can block if he can do that. I don't really care uh, what his uh, attitude or some of his side issues are as long as it doesn't affect his performance. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Right now he's on the practice squad. Obviously next week he could very well be elevated. Obviously, Alex, the point right now is Who's on this Giants offensive line? Because <laughs> we need people. Uh, you know, obviously that's your thing, not mine. So I would like you to talk about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like this offensive line is is going to be something to talk about. Matt Parrott, right? We, he was a question mark last year. Andrew Thomas was a question mark last year. Ben Bredesen's injured. So how is, uh, I don't even know. Like, I, I guess Matt Skura, the, the, the number 67 for the Giants out of Duke. Um, I just don't know who's going to play, but obviously we do have Skura who was on the Ravens with Bredesen, uh, for a few years since 2017, I just saw it. So maybe he slides in at the left guard position for, for Bredesen. If he doesn't play, I assume Bredesen doesn't play. So we're going to have Andrew Thomas, uh, having a new, I guess, mate on the, uh, new friend on the, on the left guard, you know, next him at the left guard position. And besides that, again, I think it stays the same with, uh, you know, Soldier, Parrot, Hernandez, Price, those guys rotating. 
Um, I don't really know about that. Alex can give you more of his opinions there because he's more the O-line expert on this podcast. Uh, that's what I would say. When it comes to the Saints, um, they have an injury report as well that I just like to quickly go through, and then Alex, you can hop in. Eric McCoy, their center, is questionable. Uh, Taron Armstead, that's a big one. He's uh, doubtful, an offensive tackle. Will Lutz, their place kicker, he's on the injury reserve. Um, and then Will Clapp, another center there, um, he's on their injury reserve as well. Remember, John Ross was put on the IR uh, for the first three weeks of the season, so he's set to return um, at some point soon. I'll be interested to see when we use him. Obviously, we're lacking three receivers, so you would hope it's sooner than later. Uh, but look forward to seeing John Ross. I mean, that's about it. I, I say look forward because I don't know what he's going to do on the field. We'll have to wait and see. With the O-line, again, I I know it sounds like I'm uh, saying the same thing over and over again. There's not much to it except we're going to have to get some of these backup guys. I don't really know who's going to start. I know they mentioned paired at guard, which I just don't think is going to work. They're probably going to have to slide someone like Skura, maybe put Skura at center and then slide Billy Price over to guard, something like that. Um, but they're definitely going to have to do some shuffling uh, for Sunday. Before we go to the interview, um, we have our Saints X Factor that we want to look out for uh, in this game. And I'm going to go with not the obvious one, because I think the obvious one's Alvin Kamara. Um, I think he's, I wouldn't say he's even, you know, he's going to tear us apart. I think we can pretty much acknowledge that. But I think the X Factor that we need to worry about here is, get ready for this, Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston if he can knock that ball or throw that ball deep downfield, we've seen that sometimes on some of those deeper throws, our coverage has been suspect. If some of our safeties come in to try to stop the run with Kamara, can open up that deep uh, deep throw for Jameis Winston. I think he could be a big problem for us with his arm uh, on Sunday if we don't get enough pressure on him off the edge and enough interior pressure. Uh, as well and and just making sure that he has some confusing looks and we need to get a couple of interceptions off Jameis Winston that's for sure you know what Alex I like that though I like that because you've been a fan since Winston or you've been a fan of Winston since he's you know been on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and even when he you know he had the the triple digit or not triple digit but uh 30 picks and whatever in a season you were still behind his back I remember when we started this podcast we were talking about him so I kind of like that you, you know, you didn't change um, and you've been kind of riding him that whole time. So the Jameis train, the Jameis train, I'll be on it till probably the end of the season. <laughs> we'll have to see. But I guess now you put me in a bad position because now I go with the really obvious guy, which I haven't actually. So I pride <laughs> myself on that for the first few games with the X factors. But now I kind of have to with this game, unfortunately. Yeah. Alvin Kamara in the 52 rushes he's had this season, 177 yards, which is not even that much right um but in his career 724 rushes for 3517 yards and 43 touchdowns last season you want to go back to it uh he rushed he had 187 rushes 932 yards and 16 touchdowns running five touchdowns catching uh he's had two touchdowns this year catching as well as i think i just said it but uh zero touchdowns running the ball so that's interesting but two so he'll be able to, you know, obviously he's a path casher as well as a run stuffer, basically. Um, and he will tear this Giants defense apart, as you said, Alex. I mean, let's talk about the Saints, or I will talk about the Saints real quick, and then let's send it to the interview, like you were saying. They're an interesting team going into this game. Absolutely smack, absolutely smack the Packers, right? I mean, that, that's not blunt. Um, they won 38-3 to week one. They come back, they get smacked around by the Panthers, who are now 3-0, the surprising 3-0 team heading into week four. And then absolutely smack around the Patriots. So kind of they, they, they've been going all over the place, right? So, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, that's something we have to think about. Although Patriots, I'm not going to say they've been looking like the Giants, but Mac Jones hasn't been looking that great. Uh, so it's, it's interesting kind of ruling the Saints. Are we talking that the Saints, uh, or, or, or excuse me, are we talking about how the Panthers are that good? You know, that, that they were able to crush the Saints like that. You know, only get, have them get a touchdown and then shut them down. I don't know. Um, but I would say that Jameis Winston has been looking okay so far. Um, Alvin Kamara had a good day last week. 
they still don't really have the receiving options with Mike, uh, with Michael Thomas not there, right? Right, right now leading their receiving uh, yardage is is Marque- Marquez Callaway. So I, I don't know if that's a that's a big person on your fantasy board. I don't know what to really tell you, but um, yeah, that that's just all I had to say in a preview to this matchup. You ready to send it to the interview? All right, we'll go to our interview with Barstool Clem. We now welcome on to the podcast a very special guest. He is known as The Clem Report on Twitter, a writer for Barstool, as well as one of the hosts on the Podfathers podcast. Clem, how are you? Better than I was, I guess, what is it now, four days ago. Not as good as I was four weeks ago before this season has started. I think we're all just kind of walking through it. Another season that feels like it's over before October. It's it's not great. Not great. Not great. That's what I'll, that's, that's my answer. Not great. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. You know, we're in the same position. We're kind of like, oh my God, what's going on here? Our season's falling apart and it's not even October. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's painful to be a Giants fan right now. It's It's just very painful. And it, and it sucks because, I mean, I guess it's like it's every tailgate at MetLife Stadium. Uh, but when I met you um, on Sunday, we're all in a great time, man. It was like it was such a great vibe. You're meeting all of these people. You're saying hi to everyone. And, you know, you're going into this day as like it's beautiful out. It's low 70s. It's not too hot. You know, you're not, you know, a, a problem with when I went to FanFest, when Alex and I went to FanFest, is that we were burning because it was like 100 degrees. That was crazy. But, you know, it's a perfect day. And it's like, of course it's sunny because we're celebrating Eli Manning at halftime, right? So there's that. We go, we get ready. And then just, I don't know, I felt something from when the, we were, you know, we were going into halftime. We were like, yeah, we'll have the lead, uh, you know, on, on Eli Manning's day. And at least he can take it in. And then we're losing 7-6 at halftime when Eli Manning comes on the stage. And like, I knew just then and there, I was like, yeah, this is, well, I mean, I think I knew beforehand when we're, you know, not scoring touchdowns on this Atlanta defense by halftime that, yep, this is this is the Giants. This is the New York Giants right here. Yeah, like uh, the game before the game uh, we still do not speak of because I don't even want to think about it. Um, I remember being like, how are we trailing going into halftime? Like we didn't even have like a bad first half. We The offense moved the ball and the defense wasn't getting absolutely killed. And then same with the Giants game. There was like, a bunch of plays. The crowd went crazy. Don't put it in the end zone. Just don't move it when you have to. They score a point. They score a touchdown, and then you're just like, "How? How is this happening again?" And I mean, all you needed to know, which you know, I, I think we're all frustrated in our own little worlds or whatever. But when uh, John Mara got on the mic to start speaking on Eli Manning Day, the veracity that he was booed with was something I did not expect, and. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard something like that. Like that's reserved. That kind of like vitriol. That's reserved for Dame J- James Dolan on the scoreboard. The Wilpons on the on the jumbotron, not the Mara family. But that's where we are right now as a fan base. Were you one of those who uh, booed him or no? <laughs> Honestly, it was so uh, it was so quick. I didn't even know what was going on. I was I was I was trying to stream it on on uh, Twitter for people who couldn't see it. And I didn't know who they were booing at first. And I'm like, what are we booing? Eli? What the heck is going on? So uh, I, I, to be honest, would I have done it? I, I might have joined in. I'm, I'm not a big booer of players because I think that all that does is hurt your player in the long run. Unless, like, he's earned it. And I think we could, we could all admit, like, I think Evan Ingram has earned it at this point. He was getting cheered coming off the field, which feels like, you know, well-deserved after all the cr- crap he's put us through. But uh, – Bowing, booing an order, yeah, I would have had no problem doing that. The only thing is, though, is even after all the crap the Maris have put us through the last few years, they still were, like, the best ownership group I have in my life until Uncle Stevie bought the Mets because, again, the Knicks and then the Maris between Dolan and, and, and Wilpons, excuse me, those two guys were so bad, he was actually the best, which at this point isn't even saying much. Um, I, it's so funny how you bring that up uh, with Evan Ingram because Alex and I had this discussion, you know, when we recapped 
the the game, I think whatever the episode came in a few days ago, and it was so funny because you kind of literally did the toss up between the heads or tails that we were going through. Alex, this is a way of let's not boot players that are on our team because that's kind of like ironic, you know, they're they're on our own team that we support and you're just kind of bringing their confidence down. You don't want to do that to one of your own players. But then you went to the other side of, which was my opinion, where he's dropping so many balls, costing us plays in games, costing us a game last season, really, um, that, you know, he kind of he kind of deserves it at this point. So I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was funny. I wanted to bring it up. No, that's it's true. And, and I, I mean, like the Mets, that was the whole controversy with the Mets was the booing of the players and they're booing back and everything. And then it's like, you know, if you have a ticket, you can boo. But I honestly like I, I've never heard a player go, you know what? The fans booed me and I it made me try harder and I got better. It's like, it, if anything, it's like, man, it got in my head. I started pressing a little. And then when you start pressing, you're not doing the stuff that made you, a, you know, a professional athlete. And I just I don't see the point in it again until you've said, all right. It's like for this is just for me personally. It's like I'm getting my pound of flesh out of this guy. I've dealt with his crap for, you know, five years or whatever it's been. I'm going to just scream and yell. I almost think the Ingram thing is even worse when he's getting cheered off the coming off the field. That's like even meaner <laughs> as, as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. What I was kind of saying when we were talking about it on the recap episode, it was kind of like, you know, he already knows that he's not playing well. He already knows, right? He doesn't need you know, 80,000 people, you know, cheering when he runs off the field uh, for, for him to realize that he's not playing at the level that we expect him to. Um, so that it's just, it's unnecessary. It just, in my opinion, it I mean, it's hard not to boo him because of how bad he is at, cer- at certain points. But, you know, you kind of just have to have a little bit of control. No, that's, it's true. And and I, I mean, like the Mets, that was the whole controversy with the Mets was the booing of the players and they're booing back and everything. And then it's like, you know, if you have a ticket, you can boo. But I honestly, like, I, I've never heard a player go, you know what? The fans booed me and I, it made me try harder and I got better. It's like, it, if anything, it's like, man, it got in my head. I started pressing a little. And then when you start pressing, you're not doing the stuff that made you a, you know, a professional athlete. And I just, I don't see the point in it again until you've said, all right, it's like for this is just for me personally. It's like I'm getting my pound of flesh out of this guy. I've dealt with his crap for, you know, five years or whatever it's been. I'm going to just scream and yell. I almost think the Ingram thing is even worse when he's getting cheered off the coming off the field. That's like even meaner <laughs> as, as crazy as it sounds. So I know we're kind of bouncing around here, uh, but what we like to do uh, when we have guests on is kind of get a little bit into the past and, uh, you know, kind of how they got to this point. So my my question for you is, how did you get into sports journalism? Because this is something that Alex and I obviously growing up right now in our junior years of high school are looking to pursue uh, as a career industry and, you know, heading into college. So how did you get into it? It's kind of funny. I, I always wanted to be in sports back when, you know, first memories as a kid, I always loved sports, but I never knew really exactly what I wanted to do. And I was never, I thought about maybe getting into some sort of media, uh, you know, spotty through high school. And then uh, when I went to college, I went to college for a year at Seton Hall for sports management and uh, figured I'd try to figure out a, a route into sports from there. And I just didn't enjoy the the school. I just didn't like the, the experience I got there. So I ended up just becoming a, a business major at Siena College up in, by Albany. And then I've honestly just kept working. And, and this is, this is the craziest thing is I had never really, you know, written or, done stuff on radio because obviously podcasts weren't around. I'm an, I'm an old man compared to, compared, compared to you guys. So I, I took jobs, any job I could just because I wanted to be in sports. It didn't matter what field it was. I wanted to be in sports. So my first job out of college was a temporary job um, selling New York Liberty tickets, which was a very tough, uh, tough, tough sell a lot of times back in the day. Then I became a customer service rep at sportingnews.com, which you guys might even be too young to remember sporting news back in the day. But anytime uh, we did like fantasy games on our site and whenever anything went down, I would get yelled at because any kind of like errors or bugs we had. Then I worked at ESPN testing different um, websites and apps and stuff like that. And along that way, after I had done all that stuff, I was about to, and I had, I had started reading Barstool at this point, and um, I, I I loved it. I loved it from the jump, and I, I loved all the different writers and the different personalities, I should say, we have here. And I was about, I, I, I got an email from ESPN saying uh, I was going to be laid off, and it was uh, November of 2013, 
I had 29 years left on my mortgage that I had of the house I had just bought. My wife was pregnant and I was about to lose my job. And I said, oh crap. And it was something I had always thought, could I ever write at, East, uh, write at Barstool? And I thought I could. And I said, you know what? I like mingled with the guys on Twitter and stuff like that. And I thought I had kind of the, the, the comedy chops for it. And I said, and I remember uh, Dave Portnoy, the guy who started Barstool, had a blog one day. I was like, if you want to work at Barstool, this is what you do. You start your own blog, write as if you're working for us. And once you have enough like samples, send it along. And if you're good, we'll hire you. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I have nothing else. I have nothing to lose here. So I started blogging every single day. Anytime I had free free time, when I was at ESPN, I did it. Then I had to severance after I got laid off, worked at my dad's pool store to kind of make ends meet in the meantime. And whenever I had a moment, I just kept writing, tried to write in like um, my, like the voice I have when I'm, you know, we're just BSing, right? Like what we're doing here. Right. And, and this is before podcasts had blown up. So you didn't hear a ton of that kind of stuff, but it was just like, the when I like got laid off from ESPN, I said I can't just sound like everyone else. I have to stand out, kind of like the guys at Barstool do, and that's exactly the way I wrote. You know, on Twitter, I would I would kind of um, you know, chop it up with the different personalities and stuff through tweeting at them. And one other thing I did to kind of stand out from any other guys that had tried to get their work submitted was I built uh, I learned Adobe Flash, I believe is what it was, and I built a soundboard. And I don't know if you guys remember this, where you click on the little buttons and it'll say like a word. I, I made one for Mike Francesa uh, quotes, and I made one from old Barstool like sound bites from back in the day. And I made it, sent it along. Uh, KFC, who wrote for New York, uh, Barstool New York at the time, I sent it to him, he loved it. He, po- he blogged about it. Then, um, you know, a couple different like, Websites picked up, you know, oh my God, look at this new Mike Francesa soundboard. Uh, and that kind of got me into it. And then Kevin, who had seen my stuff, and I tweeted with him a bunch. He said, hey man, I, uh, I've, I've seen your stuff. I like the way you write. If you want to come on board, and this was probably, I'd say, June of 2014. He had uh, his KFC radio podcast at that point. You know, podcasts, again, weren't big. I don't think Porno even knew what podcasts were at that point, really. And he said, hey, would you like to write for my site, kfcradio.com? We just keep our podcast there. It'll be almost like the minor leagues. You write, you know, whatever you want. It'll go up if it's good. Drive people to the site, and this way they'll learn about the podcast. I said, yep, that would be awesome. Did that for a few months. And then um, he said, hey, like what you're doing there. If you want to come on a barstool part-time, write for the Knicks. You'll basically be our Knicks blogger. You cover anything that happens with them that's kind of blog worthy, which as you know with the Knicks, there's never a dull moment in Knicks land, right? When they're when they're good, it's good. When they're bad, it's even better. And uh I blog that. Kevin said if there's anything else you want to write on the weekends on a Saturday, you can put it up then because Saturdays are kind of like a slow day. Did that, just kind of worked. And then a year later he said, Hey, Dave loves your stuff, wants to hire you full time. Uh I think at that point that we're about to be purchased potentially by uh, Peter Chernin or at least invested in. So I said, that would be awesome. And here I am chopping it up with you guys almost six years later. That's a, that's a great story. Um, You know, I I mean, coming up from like, you know, there are like the, the, the colleges that specialize in this certain stuff. And then for you to come up in a different way is, is great. You know, it's, it's your own experience. That's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I wish that I had a little more um, seasoning or whatever. I remember when I was uh, going to college, there was creative writing class. I was like, I should just take one of those just in case I ever do anything with writing. And I never did. And then I'm like, here I am writing every single day. <laughs> That's just typical. My idiot brain just not doing what it should do. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, I would say the the biggest thing, the biggest thing that probably got my, my like name out there was what I go on Twitter and kind of just make jokes and whatever. Twitter wasn't even a thing, you know, when I even, you know, when I was in college, Twitter wasn't even a thing. Facebook was just barely like getting moving then. So the, the, the secret to, I think getting into the journalism world or, you know, any, any real thing you want to get into is like, just learn as much as you can. I always tell people, if you're going to school now, learn all the different like WordPress or any kind of like CMS programs, but learn how to edit your videos, learn photo stuff like Photoshop and stuff like that. And just have that, those kind of skills, not even so that you could get hired to do them, but so you can make your own work better. You can, you know, again, I learned that program just to make that soundboard. Like this day and age, there's so many like 
There's so much materials out there where you, you know, you can learn it on YouTube. You can get like the programs for free. There's so many different ways to like learn stuff and get stuff. And it's so much like the barrier to entry to get into the journalism game is so much lower now, whether or not people are going to listen to you or read you or watch you. That's another thing, but you can just put something on YouTube. You can put something on iTunes. You can publish something on WordPress. It's so much easier now than when I was growing up. It would like, I have to get hired by a newspaper or a radio station. It's absolutely crazy that like, that's just how you had to get go about it. And now it's the opposite where anyone can, everyone has a podcast. I feel like every, I, I have like four, three of them now. So it's, it, it truly is like one of those things where I just say, get your toe dipped in as much different, you know, pools as you can. So kind of, uh, speaking of a blog, um, you posted one that I thought was a great one about, uh, the TV setup for this giants team now. So listen, it's so funny. You wrote that because uh, I made the executive decision last season at, at a certain point where it was, uh, you know, I, I have the one TV, but it's just red zone that I watch. And then when, when, when red zone is getting to kind of like a slow point, I, I hope everything is okay, uh, by the way. Did you hear, hear screaming going on up there? Yeah, it's my little guy. He's crazy. <laughs> That's my life. That's life as a parent, man. You guys think I'm crazy when I'm talking about my kids? No, man, they are nuts. They're lunatics. I love them, but they're nuts. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm going to red zone when I feel like red zones, you know, no no team is in the red zone. I'll go, I'll go to the Giants game. You have already made the decision. The big TV – that's going to be on red zone. Small TV is going to be the Giants game. That's how, you know, and I agree with you. So, my question to you is though, you mentioned Jason, Jason Garrett. He was involved in that article. He was involved in a separate article about how you're ready for him to go. I agree. I just want to know because the other Giants fans, I don't, I don't want to state my opinion because I don't really like. I, I I rather wait. I want to wait a little bit longer. But I know other Giants fans are saying. Well, if you're going to fire Jason Garrett, there's a guy higher on that list, and that's Joe Judge. Why not just, you know, like fire him because maybe he's making the schemes along with Garrett. What's your thoughts on that? Why is Garrett first on your list? Yeah, so I think – so going into this season, I think a lot of people were pretty happy with the way the team was going, you know, big picture-wise. Not like, oh, 6-10 and 10 every year, let's throw a parade. But I think we were happy with – um, just kind of the, the vibe we were getting. The players seemed to like Judge. Uh, we were happy with Patrick Graham as his, as his you know, defensive coordinator. We were happy with kind of just like, it seems like we're actually hiring coaches that in the spots they should be hired. So like that, that's big picture stuff. That's Joe judge. He's a, you know, special teams coach and he's kind of, that's the way he, you know, there's certain coaches who are offensive gurus or whatever you want to say, or defensive guys and they bring their system in and that's kind of their, how they run the show. And then, they, you know, dole out the rest of the responsibilities. Jason Garrett, like people, same, you could almost say the same thing with Gettleman too. Let's fire Gettleman. It's his fault. These two players have been terrible forever. It's like, if you fire Dave Gettleman, nothing really changes. It's just going to be someone else making all the moves. There's nothing we're going to do now with the season started. We've already, you know, the drafts happen, free agencies happen. All these injuries are happening now too. So this team is just getting like talently. They're, they're starting to lose their talent, the limited amount that they have. Um, if you fire Joe judge, you're turning the entire system upside down. And I think if we were all happy with him before these three games, then I think you have to keep him around. I think everyone was unhappy with the offense last year. Everyone was unhappy with the offense this year. Everyone, people were pretty happy with Joe Judge last year, the way he managed some stuff. There were a couple of things last year they didn't love. But for the most part, I think everyone was really happy. That was like the one thing everyone agreed on, I think, was like everyone could argue about Daniel Jones or, you know, some of the different draft picks over the years. But everyone's like, Joe Judge seems to be the guy. Three games, and granted, like he's had, he's had, dis, the team has had discipline issues. The team has had penalties in big spots. They're, you know, not buttoned up and that's Joe judge's bag is that he's a, you know, a disciplinarian who makes sure we're prepared. And then you go in and you're losing games because he didn't seem prepared for, you know, an offsides on a field goal, these drops, you know, executions not happening. So I understand that side of things, but the offense has been the thing that's been weighing this team down since last season. The defense was good last season. Not great. It was good. The offense was bad. Now you could say, hey, some of that's on Daniel Jones. That's fine. Daniel Jones is also pretty good as a rookie. His one problem was the fumbles and, you know, he had 12 he had twelve interceptions, but 
That's not terrible for a rookie. 24 and 12 as a, as a rookie. Everyone forgets those numbers were good. It was the fumbles. Last year, we're the 31st ranked offense in the league. This year, we're not taking shots downfield. We're doing every, everything we were upset about last year. We're upset about this year. So I think you could you could get rid of Garrett without you know taking out your head coach who you liked going into this season. And then you say, all right, we'll go from there. And if the offense stays the same or there's something else going on where it can be pinned on Judge, then hey, he's going to get got next. But I don't think you start with wholesale changes. I think you start and you fix the one problem area that has been there since last season. Again, last season when we all came out of it saying, all right, this Joe Judge guy, he's kind of our guy. We like him. Um, I, I just, I do not understand how Jason Garrett has a job after scoring uh, 14 points against the Falcons at home. That was a disgrace. I would say, I bet you if we go into this weekend against the Saints and we put up three points, seven points, I would guess that Jason Garrett's probably gone. But if we put up maybe 14 points again or something like that, we could lose 45 to 14, but I think Jason Garrett will still be there. But I think we'd really need to be held to like zero or something like that for Jason Garrett to be gone at this point. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, so going into this season, I think a lot of people were pretty happy with the way the team was going, Uh, you know, big picture wise, not like, Oh, six and 10 every year, let's throw a parade. But I think we were happy with, um, just kind of the the vibe we were getting. The players seemed to like Judge. Uh, we were happy with Patrick Graham as his as his you know defensive coordinator. We were happy with kind of just like it seems like we're actually hiring coaches that in the spots they should be hired. So like that that's big picture stuff. That's Joe Judge. He's a you know special teams coach, and he's kind of that's the way he you know. There's certain coaches who are offensive gurus or whatever you want to say, or defensive guys, and they bring their system in, and that's kind of their how they run the show, and then. They, you know, dole out the rest of the responsibilities. Jason Garrett, like people, same. you could almost say the same thing with Gettleman too. Let's fire Gettleman. It's his fault. These two players have been terrible forever. It's like if you fire Dave Gettleman, nothing really changes. It's just going to be someone else making all the moves. There's nothing we're going to do now with the season started. We've already, you know, the drafts happen, free agencies happen. All these injuries are happening now too. So this team is just getting like talently. They're, they're starting to lose their talent, the limited amount that they have. Um, if you fire Joe judge, you're turning the entire system upside down. And I think if we were all happy with him before these three games, then I think you have to keep him around. I think everyone was unhappy with the offense last year. Everyone was unhappy with the offense this year. Everyone, people were pretty happy with Joe Judge last year, the way he managed himself. There were a couple of things last year they didn't love. But for the most part, I think everyone was really happy. That was like the one thing everyone agreed on, I think, was like everyone could argue about Daniel Jones or, you know, some of the different draft picks over the years. But everyone's like, Joe Judge seems to be the guy. Three games, and granted, like he's had, he's had, this. the team has had discipline issues. The team has had penalties in big spots. They're, you know, not buttoned up and that's Joe judge's bag is that he's a, you know, a disciplinarian who makes sure we're prepared. And then you go in and you're losing games because he didn't seem prepared for, you know, an offsides on a field goal, these drops, you know, executions not happening. So I understand that side of things, but the offense has been the thing that's been weighing this team down since last season. The defense was good last season. Not great. It was good. The offense was bad. Now you could say, hey, some of that's on Daniel Jones. That's fine. Daniel Jones is also pretty good as a rookie. His one problem was the fumbles and, you know, he had 12, he had 12 interceptions, but that's not terrible for a rookie. 24 and 12 as a, as a rookie. Everyone forgets those numbers were good. It was the fumbles. Last year, we're the 31st ranked offense in the league. This year, we're not taking shots downfield. We're doing every, everything we were upset about last year. We're upset about this year. So I think you could you could get rid of Garrett without, you know, taking out your head coach who you liked going into this season. And then you say, all right, we'll go from there. And if the offense stays the same or there's something else going on where it can be pinned on judge, then, hey, he's going to get got next. But I don't think you start with wholesale changes. I think you start and you fix the one problem area that has been there since last season. Again, last season when we all came out of it saying, all right, this Joe Judge guy, he's kind of our guy. We like him. Um, I I just – I do not understand how Jason Garrett has a job after scoring uh, 14 points against the Falcons at home. That was a disgrace. Yeah, um, I I guess before – like, we we need to move to something else. We need to move to a more positive thing. So, uh, thinking not about the game, but just solely on Eli Manning's Ring of Honor uh, ceremony – uh, Josh and I were at the game. We really, you know, it it was a really nice ceremony. 
Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it besides the uh, Mara booing. Uh, but it, it was definitely nice to see uh, Eli back uh, on the field at MetLife. Yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Uh, the only, <laughs> I, I, I liked it. It was nice seeing the the line, the uh, throw to Tyree, the throw to Manham. The only thing was Eli. What was that speech, man? It was like the most vanilla. And I know that's our Eli. Um, but it was like, I, my buddy was saying, I think he used the same speech. Like after he retired, it was the same speech again. Like, and that's, that's, I guess that's just what Eli, how Eli goes. But I was like, man, could use a little more for that. Eli, we came all the way out here to hear you. And you're just kind of doing your thing. You're a media like phenomenon at this point on Monday night with your brother. Uh, but you know, if if they could have just won that game, but it's almost at this point, it's almost like they're using Eli to trick us to like help us for hope we forget just how bad everything has been since he left the team. Seriously, you got that show now. I need to watch that first episode. I think it came out today. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now he's got you got the Eli Manning show. You got Eli Manning on Monday Night Football. He's now the advisor. He's got the you know all of that stuff. I do know with the speech. I remember he went on the Pat McAfee show that week. And he was saying, he's like, they're only limiting me to like 90 seconds or like three minutes or something like that. So he's like, I'm going to keep it short. But you're completely right. I mean, the one quote that everyone took was the once a giant or uh, Wellington Morris said, oh, once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. I think he said the exact same thing at the retirement, which is, I mean, it's a great quote. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lie. I give credit to him for that. But uh, no, I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And again, it's like, I, I can't even get upset. Like Eli just talking and like being there. It's, it's more than you expect to get out of him. Um, but you know, it's also, it's, let's be honest. Like I, I love the guy. I'm so happy we're getting this is the 10 year anniversary of the team, which kind of makes you realize 10 years since the last Super Bowl is crazy, but it's like, it's time to move on. It's time to like, we have to focus on the future now. And no matter what it is, they have to fix it. Cause I mean, at this point it's like, I was bummed after the Broncos game because I thought there was a real chance they could win that game, even though I thought the Broncos were, were you know, very good defense. And I thought Teddy was going to be a problem compared to Drew Locke. I was like devastated because the way they lost the game, we should not speak of. And then I was just numb by like, you know, the Falcons game to lose that game to a team that we know is not very good. And for the, like, what is it? How many years in a row they've started out in three? It, just to do it again, it just like there was just no feelings left in me. I'm just I'm just shot. Clem, we thank you so much for joining us. You can listen to him on the Podfathers podcast and also follow him on Twitter at the Clem Report. And once again, we thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, boys. Let's let's try to you know keep our sanity through all this craziness that we're going. It's going on right now. <laughs> Welcome to the All Eighties Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.